Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Holtcast and Aston Villa podcast. As usual, I'm James Rushton. That's Danny Riser over there. And each week we go through the latest Aston Villa results, break them down, offer our predictions and give the Man of the Match awards as we usually do. Today's match, of course, was Aston Villa versus Birmingham City. So we'll be recapping and going through some of the many events that happened there. But Danny, how good of a win was that? Uh, it was certainly something. Uh, and I think it, what makes it even better is that uh, we didn't necessarily play our best football uh, today. And I know, and also just the fact that uh, it, the, the game had a, a massive storyline running all the way through it. If you're trying to make a movie about a football match or, you know, trying to demonstrate what a local derby was all about, um, that was it. And there was so much emotion and so much passion on that pitch, not just from Villa, but also from Birmingham City, that you know, for the victor at the end of it, it can mean so much. And it also means that Villa leapfrog Birmingham City. It also means that Villa are back in the top 10. Um, so in, in, in every sense, uh, you know, the three points, getting the big win over there, it motivates the team and it takes us even closer to the playoff places, which, as we say, are probably unattainable by now. Um, but at the very least, you know, leapfrogging local rivals uh, and, and doing it in, in, in such a way, in such passionate fashion, um, yeah, you, you can't underestimate how big a win that is for us. It's a massive win, of course. Uh, a lot happened in the match, which we'll go through, no doubt. Um, but first off, we were—I don't know how nervous we were feeling before this. I think usually feel some people feel very nervous before these derby games and actually don't enjoy them. But I love them. I relish them. I relish the chance to kind of put one over your closest rivals. But I—I I will say that a certain event happened in this match. You know, we can't go into it, as Danny rightfully pointed out before the recording, because it is a criminal incident at this point and it is an arrest. Um, so I'm not sure how much you can go into, but you can certainly condemn it. Um, Jack Grealish, I think within 10 minutes, was a uh, quote-unquote punched. No, he was attacked. He was attacked. He was, he was attacked by, by a spectator around the pitch, basically. Uh, it, was, it was about the 10th minute and he swung his arm towards Jack Grealish's face. Luckily, I don't think he got the full, uh, got the full, um, what's the word? Yeah, I, I, I don't think he got the full connection on Grealish. I think if it was a, if it was a boxing match, you, you know, you, you, you wouldn't, it wouldn't have done much, but either way, he's gone in, you know, behind Jack Grealish's head, right? Grealish hasn't seen it coming at all. Uh, and you know, obviously it's, 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 it's something which no footballer should ever have to, um, worry about really, you know, Jack Grealish is, is on the pitch doing a job. All, all of the boys on the pitch are doing a job and, you know, for them, they, they should be able to, to do that job without the fear of, of um, any harm being done towards them. And I think we were saying that before this, I mean, that's, something needs to be done about it because this isn't the first time it's happened this month in a, in, in, in a game. Yeah. It happens a lot. And a lot of people, mate, I'm getting really frustrated with commentators and pundits, you know, quite high profile ones like Jake Humphrey. And I think Scott Minto said it on Sky Sports. And even Gary Rowett said that this guy isn't a fan, but he is a fan. He has paid money to go to a Birmingham City match. And he's ran on with, I think, a Zulu badge on. He's a Birmingham City fan. He's a supporter of Birmingham City Football Club. And that should not be discounted that he has run on to attack a rival team's player. And look, I'm going to laugh here because Birmingham City fans have hated Jack Grealish now. He lives rent-free in their heads. You have one shot on him. You have a free shot and you miss. You don't even connect. You get, you get, it, you get, you get the hook around, but you, the fist doesn't connect with the face. Come on. You know, if you have that chance, surely 
but he got arrested and Grealish eventually went on to score the winner. But hang on, people are discounting the fact that this guy's a Birmingham City supporter and now the tribalism in football is... This is the mutation of all the stuff that goes on social media. This is like the vilest corner of FT, football Twitter. This has been brewing for a while that someone is going to run on and hit a player. All the abuse Sterling gets, everything that happens to players, this has been brewing for a while and it has happened now and nobody is going to do a thing. You think nobody. he shouldn't even be coming out of the pitch, you know, first and foremost at all, really, because it threatens players. I think, you know, what uh, Lee Hendry is saying at half time, you know, like, you, you, you never know what that could be, right? I think, you know, to be fair, that the referee has the power in at that point as well to, to, to call the game off. You can do that, right? I, th- I believe that's within the FA, FA rules. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I've- Here's the question. If Grealish is hurt, mm-hmm. seriously hurt in that, yeah. and Villa have to take him off, is the game called off? Yeah, you call it off. You Absolutely, call it, yeah. You call it off. I, I have to agree. I have to agree. It's but, um, because, because... I think the ref after that. I don't. I don't. I think, know. I think he didn't have it. It's not. It's not his responsibility to stop the fan from coming onto the pitch. You know, that's the responsibility of the stewards. Uh, you know, that's what people are paid there to do. But if if somebody if somebody wants to do it, there's always a way. Unfortunately, um, but. You know, look, there shouldn't there shouldn't be this kind of tribalism in football, and and I I think it is. I think it, we do have to say it isn't like this is. You know, um, this isn't about labeling Birmingham City fans. It's always the odd nutter somewhere who who does it. Do you know what I mean? It's it's always the it's always the odd person who um who has the idea and decides to do it. It isn't a it isn't a a premeditated thing from like a from like a fan group. So uh, I think the only real thing you can say is that you just kind of hope that uh, the clubs maybe put a little bit more money into the security, I guess. That's the only only thing you can say, really, isn't it? Well, you do make the point that, look, we shouldn't put this on all Birmingham City fans and that it wasn't, you know, premeditated by a section. It It was a premeditated thing by one person, not a section. But it was applauded and cheered by quite a large number of Birmingham City fans. And look, you don't brush the entire lot of them with that. But there's also a lot of them on social media making the case that it wasn't that bad. And actually, it's probably... Look, Grealish wasn't hurt by it, but the actual incident is probably one of the more horrific things we've actually seen in a football game. I think it's like, you know, just just put it this way. How would you like it if somebody walked into your office whilst you were, whilst you were sitting at your desk or whatever you do, where maybe you know if you if you even if you worked on like a building site or if you if you work in work in a shop somewhere, right? How would you like it if somebody's walked in without you looking and just assaulted you? You've done nothing to them. You've just been doing your job. Jack Grealish has done nothing to Birmingham City. All he's all he's doing is he's getting paid to do a job. He's come onto the pitch. He's trying to score. He's trying to he's trying to make his team win. Yeah, it's he's he's literally doing his job. And if it happened in any other, if it happened in any other sector, you know, the 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 person who's who's carried it out, well, you'd uh, you know, you'd, you'd be very disappointed in them for it, wouldn't you? So I'm just, I just think that you know, just see it for what it is. Basically, somebody's been assaulted on their job, and nobody should ever have to feel unsafe like that. Um, it just makes me upset because it happened in the Hibernian Rangers game as well. Um, 
Yeah. It happens now. Obviously, this is a thing. This is a real thing. Obviously, it's a police matter now, and we'll we'll see what they do about it. But um, Villa have come out with a statement, haven't they? The EFL have come out with a statement as well, and I think it's good that uh, they're being proactive about it and and not ignoring the incident. I'm not saying Birmingham City should have points deducted for it. I think it's a possibility, but I wouldn't really like to see that. I think there should definitely be a movement in shutting down some of that stadium because that cannot happen. That There has to be a punishment for that. There has to be a, a very real punishment on the club for that because, look, it's not the club's fault that that happened, but that happened in in the club's environment. You know what I mean? It wasn't enforced. If that happened... Look, if if that happens, if in Croatia versus Albania or something, that happens, half the stadium's closed down. You, the, the way that you've got to look at it as well is if somebody runs onto the pitch, if somebody has is, is been able to run onto the pitch, and it happens, you know, you do get streakers, you do get people who just run on. And obviously that's why, you know, security measures are there and, and that's why it is treated as such a... Um, uh, that's why it is treated quite... Uh, what's the word? Um, harshly. As a punishment, basically, you know, a lot of a lot of people who do run to the pitch end up getting lifetime bans and whatnot. But it, it that that fan could have anything. Yeah, you know, yeah. This this oh, particular that, fan, this particular thing, incident, isn't it? this particular incident, that the fan came on and tried to punch Jack Grealish in the back of the head. But what if somebody ran ran onto the pitch with a knife? You know, what if somebody ran onto the pitch with a weapon? You know, I it, what what I'm saying is, if, it, if if it's possible for somebody to do it without it, it's possible for somebody to do it with one. And I think, yeah, it's just. Uh, it's scary that 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 happened uh, on the, on the pitch today. Just yeah, it's just it's just awful. And uh, as I say, uh, I think footballers um, shouldn't have to feel shaken up by that. I don't know what to say. I I think when I saw it, I've never felt that much animosity towards Birmingham City, even in the rivalry. Um. But when that happened, it reignited kind of feelings that had probably been dormant for probably 10 years since they were regularly winning the, you know, the, the second city derby. I felt a real vicious feeling towards them after that. That was one of the roughest derbies we've had in a very, very long time. I think part of that is to do with Birmingham being above us in the table. There was a lot to play for. There was a lot to play for. And I think words have to come out. We have to say stuff now. Jack Grealish handled himself impeccably. Oh, he did, didn't he? He did. He did. He did all his talking on the pitch afterwards. You know, he didn't complain. He got up. He got up. He carried on. Right. Just and you know what? Giving him that captain's armband see, seems to have really done something to him. He has come. He's become. He's on another level since he's come back. I'm really, really happy with him. And look, when he got hit, Horahan and Abraham are ready to kick the geezer's head in. They were over there trying to get past a crowd of people to get to him, to get to this bloke who's run and has God knows what. And Hick Grealish. Yeah. Whelan's holding everybody back. And Grealish is there laughing it off. He's just been hit in the side of his head, taken by complete surprise, and he's laughing it off. Mm. He handled himself. He handled himself. Incredible game. Incredible game all around. Really nervous stuff. Um, not a lot happened in terms of the actual football, though, apart from you know some incidents in the second half. Jack Grealish gets the goal to win the game. Yeah, but let's not forget, James. I think you're skipping over a few details here, right? But but Birmingham were absolutely honest all game. I mean, before Jack yeah. Grealish scored that scored that winner, we were getting dominated. 
And I, I'm not afraid to say that. Birmingham did a really, really good job. And look, the thing is, they were rough, right? That that the and it was it was from that initial challenge that Clifton Bell made on Jack Grealish. You knew exactly what kind of, what kind of game it was going to be, right? Um, and we struggled to handle them because they came out for blood. I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean they came out, you know, really, really wanting the three points. And I I really do think we struggled for for large parts of it. Grealish was was the one guy really who I think was carrying us in that first half. Um, I mean, fair play to the defense as well, who, who did a really good job before. But I think part of why Grealish was able to score that winner late on James is because of the substitutions. When Dean Smith brought those two players on, so he bought um, Green and McGinn on for Wheel and, and Adoma, the game changed, and it's not like Villa were playing that badly. I think Blues were just on top of them. But McGinn and Green linked up instantly to give Villa a chance, So and Abraham missed it. And thank God he did, because if he's... Well, you know, do you want Abraham <laughs> to score and it finish 1-0, or do you want Grealish to score and it finish 1-0? No, because I want Grealish to score. <laughs> yeah, we had the right ending, didn't we? That's the thing. Yeah, it, narrative perfectly placed in that match. And look, fair play to Blues because I think they gave it a good go in the first half. I think Tyrone Mings was too much for them. Um, I'm not sure if, if we had a weaker centre-back pairing, they'd have probably had a better go of it, but they didn't real fashion much danger in terms of shots on target. It's more so the shots off target that we were we were worried about. Oh, yeah. And I mean, we, sk- we skip ahead to obviously events where Craig Gardner misses two sitters. Well, yeah, he does, doesn't he? He does, he does miss two sitters. Um I think there was other points in that game as well where Blues possibly could have scored and Shea Adams was through a couple of times. But you're right, like uh, after after Grealish obviously scored, celebrates in the crowd. Um, yeah, I mean, Craig Gardner comes on and we, we know that the Gardner brothers have a lot of history with Villa. Um, obviously, his brother, his brother Gary wasn't able to wasn't able to play against Villa because uh, what's hilarious is that he's actually still our player. And I can't get my head around yeah. that. Um, <laughs> but he's, uh, but yeah, Craig's come on and you know how much he wants to score against us. You know how much Absolutely. he wants to score against us. And it's not necessarily that he, either he holds animosity towards Villa or he doesn't, but he does. He's on the end of a lot of stick from Villa fans. And even if he was a Villa fan, right, he gets on the end of a lot of hate from Villa fans. So he wants to score. He wants to score in any derby match at all to uh, reduce Villa to a draw or a defeat. But that didn't happen. And he, out of everyone, had the best chances to to create the narrative. He had the story coming in, but Grealish just took the headlines, took the show, took the goal, and took the result back to Villa. That's the thing, though, isn't it? Right? Blues came out at Villa, right? Doing everything right. Okay, maybe they were just a little bit rough with the fouls, but I would say that, wouldn't I? But they did everything right. They came at Villa... They said, we are not going to allow Villa to have the ball. We are going to pressure them. And they pressed high up the pitch. Gary Monk had them pressing. Hotter was doing a good job on the right wing. Right, Villa were tight. I mean, the Villa, Villa had to be tight. Like, Neil Taylor uh, was struggling to get wide, um, especially with El Ghazi out on that left-hand side. So we were pushed back. We were pushed back. Shea Adams, Jukovic, both of them causing problems. You know, there was many times in that first half where we thought, you know, Blues are blues are right on us right now and there's a goal coming any second. They did everything right. But Jack Grealish, despite the fact that he was targeted uh, by Birmingham City defenders, he was roughed up. And that's, again, not a criticism, 
every team that faces Jack Grealish knows that that's a good idea. But despite all of that, Jack Grealish basically stole the whole game. He stole the headlines and did it all by himself. And I think that is basically the story of this derby. Blues did everything they could. Somehow or another, Grealish managed to be that game as well. It was nowhere near enough, though. And I think that is just a story for Blues. You know, past 10 years, it's it's all been that they've not done enough and they haven't won this derby, they haven't grabbed this derby and Villa can either come up with a dominant performance or just enough to, you know, that moment of magic. And that's been the story of this second city derby for almost as long as I can remember now, um, apart from the early years and maybe the League Cup win that Blues had at St. Andrews where it all kicked off. But man, Villa have dominated this derby to, you know, lengths I've not really seen before. What I want to know is from your from your side because I've tried to figure it out myself and I and I, I you know I've I've never really found the answer because it's almost too obvious is that Villa are always just the better team, but Villa have obviously been ahead of Blues, you know for for a long time. Maybe this season they haven't been, but that's because of you know rough patches of form. But Villa aren't exactly a side that are known for steamrolling any team that they're better than. You know, Villa, Villa do succumb to pressure. They have done for the past decade. That's the kind of team we've had. We've had a lot of fragile, fragile sides, you know, under the likes of Lambert and, uh, and, and Bruce at times as well. So why is it? Why is it that Birmingham City haven't been able to capitalize on that? Despite the fact it's probably been one of the worst 10 years in, in Villa's history. Why have Blues not been able to capitalize on that. Why haven't they been able to pick up the win? Because it's not as simple as saying Villa are just a better team. This is becoming a lot like the Merseyside derby now, where Liverpool are just winning most of the games um, or drawing. It's difficult to say, isn't it? It's difficult to say why the supremacy is is on one side, but I think Villa seems to almost handle the pressure in this situation better. And Birmingham may have had the more shots and more chances, but that's because the pressure seems to be on them. They, they field the more direct passes. They go for the longer. They go not. This isn't dissing their style of play. I think they they're becoming a good team. But they have to go direct and they have to get the ball from back to front as quick as possible to win the game. And Villa can easily just soak it up. They aren't really Birmingham aren't really interested in taking a massive, massive amount of risks in these games. And I think Villa can just sit back, almost soak it up, and. And have that classy moment where they win the game and create the narrative. Incredible. I'm really happy with Villa's performance. I'm really happy with Jack Grealish. And I'm really happy with the entire team because, look, it wasn't Villa's best game, but they allowed Grealish to play and they weren't overawed or they weren't overexcited and they weren't overly upset by anything that happened today. And that is a massive um, credit to the club. It's a massive credit to Dean Smith as well and his coaching stuff because Villa have had so much, so oftentimes, not in this derby, this derby they handle very well, but there's so many times where there seems to be psychological issues with the team in terms of results. And they seem to have stood their ground today in a tough situation. They've never faced adversity like that. One of the players getting slapped in the mouth, no. you know, 10 minutes into the game and then coming back and winning it. That is serious. And no matter what happens this season, Villa might not make the playoffs, probably won't. They're four points off at this point. It's going to be difficult. But they play Middlesbrough at home and they play Bristol City at home. So let's see what happens in those games before we make a judgment. It's going to be tough. But this team have come back from real adversity today. No matter what happens this season, that is a turning point for me personally. And also just like, yeah, again, right? The guy getting slapped in the face is the one that goes and goes and scores. And I think that's, I think that's just the beautiful moment of it. 
He then gets booked for jumping into the crowd. And two blue noses get arrested, and one of them, mate, is a steward who you've just heard from your dad, actually. He's come on um, almost as a guest on the podcast <laughs> in the background. You've just heard that a steward has been arrested for kicking and kneeing and punching or pushing Jack Grealish when he's jumped into the crowd. And I didn't really realise that. But that's massive that he is, he's living in their heads. And this is a guy on the clock kicking him. Yeah, uh, I don't... I didn't see the incident. I'm not going to lie. I think... I, th- I think there's, I think there's, um, there is sort of very, very grainy footage. But what appeared to have happened, um, without going into definitives, um, is that the steward got pulled away. Um, yeah, he, he appeared to be pulled away. But I think <laughs> Greenwich has obviously gone into the crowd, <laughs> which he shouldn't be doing in the first place. Um, and that's what's kind of led to it. Um, I mean, what, in fact, what's your, what's your feeling on that? I mean, if a, if a player if a player goes into the jumps into the crowd, are they are they sort of is is it their responsibility to make sure that they don't don't get hurt? Mm, I'm gonna say yes, but the steward who is there to enforce safety shouldn't be endangering a player. I think that's how it goes. But man, um, crazy derby game. Um, I'm not sure. I'm too overly excited about it still. Um, so I'm not really sure. What other points to make? I will say Tyrone Mings had a really good game. Um, Courtney House seemed to struggle on his right foot um, on the weaker side, but played pretty admirably. Villa didn't really have many weak links. I think Al Ghazi and Adoma didn't really have their best games, but they were there for the win. Um, so who's your match ball going to? This is a pretty easy answer. I'm going to go first. I want to put a bit of adversity on you. Yeah, okay. So I'm going to say Jack Grealish. Of course, gets my match ball. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. You've got to give it to him, haven't you? You, you just absolutely have to give it to him. Like he, he he ran that game and he did it himself, basically. Oh, okay, I'm not going to say he did it himself, but I mean he he took the game by the scruff, by the scruff of his neck, didn't he? Um. So yeah, I'll give you that on Grealish. Um, I know I've got two other players in mind, but because he played the full ninety minutes, I'm going to go Tyrone Mings. He was brilliant at the back. He was absolutely brilliant at the back. Um. Like there was, there was so many times where where Adams and Yukovic were getting physical, and they are really tough to handle because you know what? Those two up front, James, they are uh, they are tanks. <laughs> I know Yukovic hasn't scored. You know he hasn't he hasn't scored since November, and I think that was against Villa. But Shea Adams has scored twenty one goals this season, and he is a machine at the moment. Um, and in in many ways. He sometimes he can he can do a little bit more than Tammy Abraham in many ways, just, you know, just to say. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, I think Tyrone Mings was a, was a real leadership figure today. I think one of the things that Villa had been lacking before he came in was leadership. Um, now with him and Jack Grealish in there, you can kind of see those two as the as the two guys who are who are running things, right? Um, and and I think that leadership was was really important in a, in another makeshift defence in the 15th defensive combination that Villa have laid out this season um, again House and Mings I didn't know if they were going to work together at centre-back but yeah they, they they as you say performed very admirably so I'm going to give my one to, to, to Tyrone Mings Fair enough man um, I think we, we have to come together for one we're obviously going to say Jack Grealish again aren't we? No, you can't. You can't do that. Is that what we do? Is that what we do it? Do we do, we do we a third do, one? We can do two. We can do two. Yeah, we can do two. We can do come together and give it him well, a look, go. I want to be fair. I think we should give it to somebody else. It's Derby. Yeah, you yeah, 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 yeah. I think 
I think so. This is the one I'm not sure about, but I thought the things changed when John McGinn came on because as soon as he came on, he seemed to just cover that whole midfield by himself. As no offense to Glenn Whelan, who I thought deserved his start and played okay in the first half. Uh, and I absolutely do believe that, you know, you carry on with the winning formula. But when as soon as McGinn came on, uh, I, I think I think it shut down the Birmingham City midfield. He was running around everywhere, just winning the ball back. Uh, and, and also, you know, making some really good passes as well. So I would possibly say McGinn. But then... Yeah, I think I think I think he's the other one I'd go for, and then I, I suppose the only other argument I'd have is maybe Jed Steer. I thought he did well in uh, well at goal, but uh, Birmingham City to take a lot of shots. But then again, you know he never really had to save anything amazing, <laughs> did he? No, he didn't. He didn't really have much of a an opportunity to get involved in the game. But yeah, I think that's fair to offer him again. I'm pretty sure Jack Grealish should definitely probably earn for it all three if he wanted. But no, uh, so we go Grealish, Tyrone Mings and John McGinn. I think that's very fair for the uh, the match balls at the end of the game. Um, is that are, are we done with Blues now? Can we consign this to history? Um, how did you rate that as part of, you know, as, as all the, out of all the sort of like Blues derbies you've seen? Blues, Blues derbies, Birmingham derbies you've seen? Like how, how, how did you rate that one? Because for me, this was, um, this was as, as much of a, of a good feeling uh, at the end of that as... A um, as the five one was from all those years ago, purely because it was like um, as soon as as soon as that incident happened at the start, you just wanted really, really wanted that win. No, I'm pretty buzzing for him. I think uh, this was Jack Grealish's show. It's the first time he's played at St Andrews, and it showed. Um, they did not like him at all, and he he ran the show. I think we've never seen quite that the way a single player affects a game so much. Um, it's pr- probably highlighted in that specific game. Um, I'm going to go with up. It's definitely up there. In the, if you're to somewhat the top five, you could definitely say it's the best derby um, that you've seen. Um, I preferred the last one, the 4-2 and the 5-1, of course, a, few, a number of years ago. So, yeah, I think it's in the top three for me. Um, it's not. It probably doesn't beat... I don't know, maybe it's equal with the 4-2 because it was away. And um, the 5-1 is obviously top. Um, but, yeah, I think it's up there. You could definitely say it's up there. What about you? Look, I mean, for me, like, obviously, we had that that 4 2 was amazing because of, uh, yeah, the 4 2 was amazing because of the fact that uh, Alan Hutton scored that ridiculous goal that he should never, ever, ever have been allowed to score when he turned into and he channeled Lionel Messi. Um, But I think. for me, this one just the only reason this one rates so highly is just because of the passion, just because of the animosity on that pitch. Um, just just the fact that it was all about Jack Grealish, the Brummy boy, as well. But I think, yeah, 5 1 yeah. was probably my favorite. I think, you know, with Gabby Egonlaw scoring in that game as well, you know, you, you, you forget how much damage he did to Birmingham City, yeah, in his time. It just had to be Jack Grealish, though, on this occasion, didn't it? It just had to be him 1 0. Aston Villa over Birmingham City away at St Andrews, propelling Villa up the table, four points off a playoff place. And next up, we go to Nottingham to play Nottingham Forest. And it's another leapfrog situation. If Villa win against Forest, they go up to 54 points, which is one point off Derby in the playoff places. And they leapfrog Nottingham Forest, who are on 53 points, a place above Villa in eighth. This is a massive game, so they're one after another at the moment, mate. So one after another. God, 
yeah, we've just played we've just played Blues and we we play Nottingham, and then we go on to versus Middlesbrough. So these playoff, you know, these games with playoff implications are coming thick and fast. Now it's up to up to Villa to see if they can, you know, kind of hold it together. <laughs> I think that's what we're, that's what we're hoping for because it's almost the opposite, isn't it? Because last season what we had was a case of Villa basically steamrolling sides when there was no pressure, but then faltering when there was. That did happen. We lost to really poor sides near the end of last season when we when we could have finished, you know, the automatic playoff places. Uh, I just wonder if we're going to react any differently under Dean Smith. That that is a massive, massive question that is lying over our heads, and that's why, despite you know, for another club, you look at that table, and you go, oh, only four points, we're only four points off the playoffs. It's it's fine, we'll make it. With Villa, it's like. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and I, I think that's that's where we're at at the moment. It's, it's always going to be rough for Villa because I think the pressure is always on. Whether it's on the players or not, it always seems to come from the fans. And four points doesn't seem like a massive gap, but you've got to expect that these teams... You, you have to expect that these teams will lose points and that doesn't always happen. So Bristol City have a game in hand on everyone else uh, in the top top six apart from Middlesbrough who have 30, we're on 35 games of course everyone else playing 36 so the who are in mad form yeah and uh, Villa play all three of these teams at some point but next up is Nottingham Forest Martin O'Neill's Nottingham Forest who have been up and down but they're still there and uh, last last time out they won against Hull they look a pretty good side. They probably aren't going to be competing for automatic promotion like the chairman and owners hope that probably come next season but they're up there in the, in the playoff spots, mate. They're looking a good team. And Villa's last time, 5-5 draw. What's this game all about then? Oh, I totally forgot that Martin O'Neill was managing Nottingham Forest. And Roy, I think Roy Keane's assistant manager. So the, the Ireland duo head to Nottingham. And uh, they haven't been, they haven't looked that great since he's joined, but they look pretty solid. Um, definitely a team competing for the playoffs as they are. I don't know. I don't really know what to expect from this one. Um, last time out, I thought Villa would win, five-five draw. No idea what's going to happen this time. It's the same team. Joe Lolly's still there. Lewis Graben's still there. So they've got the same type of players. Let's see how different they are under uh, under Martin O'Neill. It's going to be a tough one for Villa, I think. Uh, you almost know what you're going to get with Martin O'Neill. It's a very direct style of play. Uh, Joe Lolly has been playing almost in sort of a free role behind strikers in, in, in Murphy and Bonatini. Uh, I do think that is be difficult to try to flood the midfield. I think their defence has been performing quite well as well, Milosevic and Belloun. Um, I think you know with Martin O'Neill they've always got good defensive capabilities. Uh, I do think the game, their final victory over Hull showed that, uh, showed that uh, O'Neill's got them playing. Um, but I think before that, as you say, I mean, none of, they haven't been incredibly convincing under him. So I would bet on us. It's going to be a tough one. I'd bet on Villa, but I've, you know Nottingham have magic players. They got Lewis Graben, who is more than a handful in the penalty area, and Joe Lolly, of course, who can spark a bit of magic in a similar style to Jack Grealish. I'd say Lolly is a bit more direct, a bit more of a direct runner. But um, he, you know, we saw that he's capable of those massive strikes that change games, and we were a victim of that last time. Of course, this is Villa fan Joe Lolly, so I hope he shows us a bit, a bit of mercy this time around. I think, and we'll go into prediction time now and to kind of wrap up the podcast, because we've got the Middlesbrough game, of course, to talk about. I think it'll be a 1-1 draw. It'll be a bit too much for Villa, but I think they'll, they'll certainly have it in them to put in a positive performance. Yeah, I think the thing to remember is Lewis Graben might not be fit for the weekend. Um, yeah, I think there was some sort of a uh, 
<laughs> there was a bit of a bust up uh, if if you read it. Um, but uh, not a bust up, more of an injury dispute over. I think him, you know, whether or not whether or not he should be he should be rushed back to fitness. Uh, that's probably the best thing to say. But like, yeah, I think I think you're right. It is going to be a tough one. It is going to be a tough one. They will combat the heck of that heck out of that midfield. But I think if McGinn is up for it and Hurahan is up for it, I think um, I would I would bet on us uh, to get the win there. I think just because we're on a good run now, I think when we when we are on a good run, once we get a couple of results together, we do seem to be a very very different team. And I think at that point, I think uh, I would I, w- I would give us the benefit of the doubt. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm actually gonna go three one Villa. Yeah, I'm gonna go confidence from now, man. I've been giving to way too many negative results, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say three one Villa. So after that, man, Villa face Middlesbrough at home at Villa Park. And this is a high-flying Middlesbrough team who haven't put much of a foot wrong. They did lose last time out against Brentford, but they've been picking up wins and picking up those points all over the place and they're still in the playoff places. A solid defence. Of course, it's a Tony Pulis side. This is a real test for Villa. Villa hammered Middlesbrough last time out, so I'm not going to give them too much benefit of the doubt here. Villa can do a job against Middlesbrough, but they're going to have to break down a Tony Pulis team away from home. Oh, the Tony Pulis team away from who were playing away from home, sorry. Which is it's a tough ask at all times, but I will give Villa the benefit here because they caned Middlesbrough last time they played them. Middlesbrough the last time they played them, and you're right. Brentford did get that victory over them. Um, and but to be fair, that was that was a huge victory for Brentford. To be fair to them, you know, in, 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 it's, it's one of those draws, just a, a very important one that kind of came out of nowhere. I think Stoke City basically shot themselves in the right before Brentford basically just turned the game completely on its head. Brentford themselves have been good. Um, I think, as you say, very tough side. Again, you know, they're, they're one of those teams as well who have made that sort of three at the back formation their own. You know, that that is something that just has defined them. And, you know, that's 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 how you've seen them playing for the last few seasons. And when a team is comfortable doing that, it means that they're able to flood the midfield. And it also means that uh, they're able to get a lot more attackers forward. They just basically have two, two fullbacks who, who are able to um, were able to do a lot of work, uh, both attackingly and 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 defensively. Uh, they've also got uh, an extra factor in Jobber, John Obi Mikel, <laughs> haven't they? Who's been, who's been performing well? I mean that you know you know that midfield that that Middlesbrough have James of Best and Mikel. That's Premier League. You reckon? It's Premier League. Yeah, yeah, of course it is. John Obi Mikel, obviously, as he's, he's he's still he's still got it at his age. I know he's only he's only thirty one. He's still got it at his age. Very very underrated whilst he was at Chelsea. You know he's won a lot of games on his own for him. Um, and Mohamed Bessic as well was a was a, was a terrific young player once he came to Everton. But uh, I think Everton haven't necessarily done a great job of developing um, sort of good foreign players who have come over in in recent years. And then yeah, I just think that uh, I just think the is, is 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 very good. We'll have to be top of our game to to get anything from him. Um, and also defensively, uh, just solid. They're not massive goal scorers, but to me, James, this has nil-nil written all over it. I really want to argue with you, yeah, you there, just because I think Villa are more likely to draw the away game against Forest than they are against Middlesbrough. But you have to remember the fact, as you rightly mentioned, that Middlesbrough are pretty solid, pretty solid at the back, structured team, who will sit back and they will release the counter quickly. It is going to have that toughness, that Tony Pulis typical toughness. It is going to be a hard game for Villa. And um, you going for a nil-nil? I'm going to go nil-nil. Yeah, I'm going to go nil-nil. Ayala shot on a fight. Yeah, 
Leno. In that case, I'll go for a one 0 win for Aston Villa and keep the uh, positivity rolling. But man, I think um, that is pretty much the end of the podcast today. Any final thoughts to wrap up this one? Yeah, just I love you, Jack Grealish. <laughs> That's basically the way to way to finish it. I I was I haven't been that captivated by a game for so long. I, I, you know what I mean by captivated? Just from start to finish, just really, really caring about the result. Yeah. No, I think there was a narrative there today. Not what to lose. The narrative was there today, and Jack Grealish played his part to perfection. I'm really proud of him for how he reacted. And of course, the uh, the culprit will probably be punished. Um, there's plenty of statements to read about. Um, Villa, Blues, and the EFL have released one. Um, Villa, pretty harsh on him, of course, as they should be. Um, calling it disgraceful attack. It's a cowardly assault. It's unprecedented and there should be the full force of the law. Uh, Birmingham, pretty apologetic, but we'll see what the AFL choose to do. Um, But I think for this episode, that's it. I hope you've enjoyed listening. Uh, You can catch us on Twitter, him at Razagiorno, me at Gemma Rushden, together at 7,500 to halt. And that's it for this one, Danny. Thank you for joining me. And uh, we'll catch up very soon. Goodbye and thank you for listening.